that's already a million tickets sold instantly. So Charlie's going to cost a million dollars to bring on, but if a million of her followers watch my movie, that already pays for itself. Well, hello. Hello, 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 and hi. You know, before we begin with everything, I have this one question. Do you ever look at yourself in front of a mirror and go, God damn it, I'm so cute. I repeat, do you ever look at yourself in front of a mirror and go, fuck, man, you're fucking beautiful. If you don't do that, you should. You know why you should? Because we live in this short period of time where so many things are going on and for some weird, oddly beautiful reason, you decided to click that little play button in front of this podcast channel and listen to this episode automatically, which means that you're a badass. Automatically means that you're ready to learn. Automatically, you are in here for the ride, ladies and gentlemen, my boys and girls, my beautiful people. In fact, right now, in every single podcast, we're always trying something new. For this podcast, and maybe even for the future podcast, I'm giving y'all a nickname. That's right. The nickname that I want to give y'all is Folk Kings and Folk Queens. As I say that, as that comes out of my mouth, it sounds a little weird. It sounds a little strange, but that's right. I'm calling you my faux queens and my faux kings because that's what you are. You're kings and queens of your motherfucking domain. You are the beautiful souls that belong in this world. I am so happy that you are here. That is what I'm trying to say. I appreciate you. I fuck with you. You know, pound motherfucking fist. I am so happy that you are here. And yes, I cuss, and I can't help it. This is who I am. Hello, hello, my name is Jonathan Garano, and welcome to another episode of Spill the Fu, a podcast where I I just talk and I rant and I rave for a good five to ten solid minutes, and then after that, I bring on someone in the creative industry, and we talk shop. You know, because I am a creative director in the marketing world, and I love storytelling, and a lot of my friends just happen to be in the creative world as well. And, you know, sometimes this is just a better excuse than just to FaceTime one of my creative friends and talk shop. Why not just record it, you know? Because there are many friends out there in this world where they're like, you know what, Jonathan, I love you and I want to talk with you, but at this moment, I got my own shit to deal with. So I think to myself, okay, okay, if that's the case, what is a good outlet for us to have a conversation? So therefore, at least at the end of the day, we feel a little productive. Boom, this podcast, making shit happen. So yes, I bring a creative person on. We talk about creative stuff, you know, about their life. And then we dive even deeper because this is spill the pho. Our job is to open each other's hearts, our souls, our minds, so therefore we can spill our emotions into the world. There's so many fucking distractions in this world right now. And at this moment, I want to be present i want to be present with you that's what i'm working on right now folks actually is trying to be in this present moment see right now while i'm talking to you on monday which is about five or four days ago um basically on july 12th was it yeah july 12th i tested positive for the coronavirus This is the second time I got the coronavirus this year. I don't know what's going on, but fuck, man. What ended up happening was um, my housemate, he woke up on Monday and he lost his sense of taste and smell. 
And he was like, oh, no, oh, no. And he decided to go to the urgent care, Venice Urgent Care in Los Angeles, California. He paid $125, and it's a one-day result. That means you get your results 15 minutes later. Boom. Positive. Then my other housemate, who is his sister, and they work in the same office together, she went out. She got checked. Boom. Positive. Then I, of course, because I live with him, um, and I had dinner with them on Sunday. I checked myself, and sure enough, positive. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Now, there's five of us that live in the same vicinity. We have my landlord who is in his 50s, late 50s. He got checked negative. And then my other housemate, who is this French guy. And, okay, let me tell you a little backstory about this French guy. This dude, this dude plays basketball with strangers, doesn't wear a mask outside, loves to explore, is very extroverted, talks to as many different people, which I am okay with. But when he tested, and I am so shocked because I've been doing everything that I possibly could to make sure that I don't spread this motherfucking virus, he tested negative. And when he did, the celebration outside my window was just it was like a firework like this guy was jumping up and down he was high-fiving himself he was going yes Woo! i'm negative i'm negative i'm negative ha and i'm just sitting there you know looking outside the window like oh my god um i just tested positive and so did other of your two housemates this this does this it's not the right time to celebrate maybe celebrate in private but you know i don't know I'm not, it, it, it kind of hurt a little bit. It kind of stung. And then, um, and then for some odd reason, because there's, they say that if you, if you're in contact with someone that's positive, you should quarantine yourself for at least 10 days and see if you have any symptoms. He suddenly goes and knocks on my door in my bedroom and he goes, this kind of sucks for me. And here I am. I just tested fucking positive for the coronavirus and he tested negative and he goes this sucks for me and i go okay what's going on french guy we call him frenchy what's going on why he's like well i'm only here for this summer i don't want my summer ruined if i have to stay quarantined what okay dude then why are you telling me (laughs) like i'm i'm the one that's positive and I have to feel bad for you. <laughs> I remember in the first time of this summer, because I test myself every two weeks. Um, I remember um, in the beginning of June, I said, hey, dude, you played a bunch of uh, basketball with some strangers. Is it okay if you get tested? And he goes, man, I don't want to get tested. And I'm like, why? And he goes, because if I test positive, it's just going to ruin my summer. And I, <laughs> I've never seen someone so selfish in my life but not think that what he was saying or doing was selfish at all oh man but anyway he's not living with us right now he decided to uh he's right now sleeping at the next door neighbor's place and having his fun time so he's okay he um i asked him if you get some toothpaste he said no and i was like okay cool man cool frenchie so hey to each their own. He's a young kid, just like me, you know, in his 20s. 
trying to figure out his life. So if that's what he wants to do, more power to him. But let me get started with this whole like COVID situation. This is the second time that I've gotten it. In, in February, I got it because I was hanging out with a comedian for an entire week and we met a lot of people. And what I didn't know was that this fucking comedian, I loved him to death, but he decided to sleep with someone who just traveled from New York City. So he got sick. He got me sick. And then I learned later that the person that he slept with tested positive for COVID and had to go on ventilators. Then he got someone sick that got tested for coronavirus and was positive. And they didn't tell me that they tested positive until like a week, two weeks later. And by that time, I already had gone through the most disastrous fucking thing that I hope none of you go through. I'm talking, I had a 102 degree fever. I had aches and pains. I could not even, could not move. My eyelids could not even open. Diarrhea, lost my sense of taste and smell. And this lasted, like these symptoms lasted for about a week and like three days or so. Like me just like lounging around. Like, oh, good thing I rented an Airbnb for some odd reason. I was in there and I would just stayed in the Airbnb for over a week and like two or three days before the symptoms started to digress a little bit. And then from there, you know, after about a few more days, I felt like back to my normal self. And then a week later, in the second week of March, I was pretty much 100%. And um, and then a week later, I was told that all those people that that comedian interacted with and him tested positive for the coronavirus. And they finally told me, oh, guess what, Jonathan? What up, guys? We tested positive for the coronavirus. And I think to myself, you know, why didn't you tell me? But it happens. I'm alive. I feel good. And now that I have COVID right now, I've been actually kind of breaking down. Not in like a physical sense. In the physical sense, I think my body is like healthy enough. And I'm just very fortunate that the only symptoms I have is fatigue and diarrhea. My housemate, though, on the other end over there, he's fucking feeling it right now. Loss of taste, fatigue, every single symptom that I had in February, he's having right now. And so we're, you know, doing all we can. We have turmeric around. We have vitamin C, omega-3s. He's drinking a lot of tea. We're watching each other's back. But I think the thing that I'm talking about when it comes to like the mentally draining thing is even though I test myself every two weeks, you know, I was negative and my sister from New York City, who also tested negative in New York City, decided to visit my family on Saturday. And remember, I tested positive on Monday. So on fucking Saturday, before I tested for the coronavirus, I hung out with my family. And then two days previously, I also hung out with my family. And so here I am on Monday. I get the test results that I'm positive. And the first thing I do is I hit up my family that I stayed with. And I'm like, hey, guys, um, I just tested positive for the coronavirus. Please, everyone get tested. I am so sorry. Everyone got so fucking angry. Everyone was upset at me. And it makes sense. Like, you know, one of my sisters, she cussed me out, and I totally understand that. You know, I should have been more careful, more wary, more understanding about my surroundings, and I should have been more aware of my own body and seeing if I had any sort of symptoms before I decided to see any of my siblings. 
you know, from now on, I'm going to do that one day test before I decide to see my mom or see my siblings at all in San Diego, California. And so here I am in this situation where I fucking feel not like I feel bad, not guilty, not guilty as in bad, like forced to be bad, but yeah, guilty. I think that that's the right word. I feel guilty. And and for my siblings to be upset at me is so fucking justified. And so then I told them, and they all started getting tested, and we're watching each other's back. And then on top of that, I told my five friends that I always hang out with that I got tested for COVID. And right away, I started sending money to a couple friends who wanted to get tested that day to get the one-day results at Venice Urgent Care, and they paid $125. You know, I... Uh, I told my my mother said that she has to quarantine with all the other siblings for at least 10 days. So I made sure to go on Amazon and buy them 14 days of groceries. Um, And the most beautiful thing happened. Every single friend who got tested is negative. And I was like, fuck yes. And then my mother and my siblings, they decided to take the free test. So they're waiting a few days. And guys, I, I could not, I haven't been able to sleep. I haven't, I wasn't able to sleep like all week. I was in the corner of my room, tears coming down my face because I thought to myself, if I brought this fucking disease, this fucking virus to my family, this is my fault. You know, like, I'm about to cry right now just telling you, I do not, like, everything that I do, everything that I do in my life, every single thing that I do in my life, every every single penny that I earn, yes, I'm doing a lot of stuff for myself, yes, I want to be successful for myself, yes, I want this podcast to grow for me, yes, I want to become an influencer and a creator, but basically, shadowing all of that, every single dollar that I make is for my family. You know, I've I've I don't know how like if my sister says call me, I will call her. If I'm at my wedding and my brother says call me, I will call him. I will do anything for these individuals. And yet for some fucking reason, here I am in a situation and I love my siblings and my family so fucking much, especially my siblings, and yet for some fucking reason, I'm the person that brought this virus on them. And so here I was on the bed, fucking just like, God damn it, Jonathan. Prayed every single night. I had this manifestation of just positivity, knowing that, hey, listen, you know, it's been five days since they first saw me, three days since they last saw me, and none of them have symptoms. So everything's going to be okay. All my friends negative the landlord who i had a one-on-one dinner with you know two nights before fucking negative so i'm like okay everything's gonna be fine i know it i know it but still at the same time i'm sitting in the corner of my fucking bedroom and i'm thinking to myself god damn it and at the same time i still have to balance that work because we live in america where everything costs money right my health insurance, which is $384 a month. You know, what happens if I have this and I need to go to the ER? How am I going to pay for this? If one of my siblings goes to the ER, how am I? How are they going to get paid? So I have to make sure that even through all of this, that I have to put on my bootstraps and make sure the clients that I'm working for are getting the work that needs to get done. 
And then guys, my beautiful faux kings and faux queens, holy shit. Like, yesterday, my mother in the group chat says that she's negative. She tested negative, dude. She fucking tested negative. Oh, my God. You know? Oh, my God. My eyes. And then my sister, she posted in the group chat today that she tested negative, too. Oh, Oh my God. Sorry. Anyway, um, so that's that's it. Um Oh, thanks for listening to that. Did not know that I was gonna get to that. But anyway, um who do we have today? Well we have someone very special, someone beautiful. Oh wow, my eyes. I'm not crying. These are just yeah, I'm crying. I'm tearing up. Anyway, uh who do we have today? Today we have someone special. Uh, we oh like we always do. His name is Brandon Suhu. I love him so much. What's so great about this individual, Brandon, is that he's an actor. He's been acting since the age of uh, ten years old. Have you ever heard of that movie Tropic Thunder? Yes. Remember that little fucking kid, that little Chinese kid in Tropic Thunder? That's him. Then afterwards, he started doing a lot of guest appearances on um, uh, on Community and different shows. And then he was in the movie Ender's Game. He's in a lot of Wong Fu Productions types of uh, YouTube videos. And now what's so really cool about him, he's in this situation where he's getting himself involved in the internet world. That's right. He's getting himself into TikTok, Instagram. Uh, He's creating so many wonderful pieces, so many wonderful internet uh, videos and content, as they say. And we just get into it. I love him so much. He's a good guy. Um, and uh, with that said, let's begin. Yeah, are we good now? Whoa. We're good. We're good. And then one, two, three, clap. Well, okay, perfect. <laughs> this is my first like Zoom uh, podcast session, man. I'm stoked. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for doing this, by the way. You know, I was checking. By the way, how are you feeling before we get started? How am I feeling? I'm feeling pretty good, man. I feel like good things have been happening and things that I wasn't exactly expecting to happen, but um, I, I think I've been making some discoveries, so I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, what, what discoveries? I mean, I heard, I heard one of the things is, is it true that you got a DreamWorks thing, voiceover? Is that secret? Am I allowed to say that? Is that NDA? Oh my so, God. One, it's not DreamWorks, so good that you don't know which company it is. And okay. two, I can't talk about it. Oh shit! Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. Dream, it's not DreamWorks, so you're good. But um, that's that's all I can really say on it. But something cool, um, I may or may not be a part of later on. Soon. Okay. Well, hey, so I mean, I think the coolest thing is I was checking your IMDb, and I did not know this, but I was watching Community the other day. And um, can you just how the fuck did you become an actor at such a little? child and then kind of the journey up to like right now um it's a pretty interesting story because when i was little i i didn't really have any awareness of what acting was as a job or or anything like that it's just kind of like an extracurricular activity for me when i was little my parents so before this my grandpa was an actor and his brothers and sisters were actors 
So it was something that was within like the Suhu family lineage. And they were some of the first Chinese American actors in, in the States. So it kind of skipped a generation with my dad and his siblings. But after um, me and my cousins were born, my family started thinking like, hey, we should like try doing the whole Suhu acting thing again. Hey kids, do you want to try being on TV? And we we're like, uh, yeah, yes. sure, for sure, yeah. <laughs> and so they, they started like sending us out for auditions. We got reps and uh, we started working at a really young age. And it was just like a fun thing we would do when we were little, but we didn't really know what we were doing. So when did you get your like first gig exactly? Is that what they call it, a gig, right? Or first like acting opportunity? I don't know what they call it. Yeah, gig, I'll take it. All right, okay. <laughs> that seems legit. Um, I think the first thing that we did was first thing that I did was like a, a Power Ranger toy, Toys R Us commercial. Oh, shit. When I was like nine years old. And then the next thing that I booked was Tropic Thunder. That's right. You were in Tropic Thunder as the little uh, Cambodian kid, right? Yeah. It wasn't specified what country, but he was speaking Chinese. But he was someone Oh, he was? Chinese. Okay. So I have, how the, okay. So you're doing this commercials. How the hell? Do you even get that? Were you auditioning against other people? Like what exactly happened to be able to fucking be there? Yeah, I think same as all the other projects that I've done, it takes a pretty like rigorous auditioning process. And something as big budget as Tropic Thunder, they really look far and wide to find like the right kid. So I was fortunate enough to be able to be their pick. And I think it was really a part that was crafted for little me because when I was when I was like 10 years old is when I auditioned. When I was 10, I was a little gremlin. Like right. I was an angry little little baby. So I think that role just fit me so perfectly. And I didn't really have to put on very much. Um, I had to learn Chinese for that, which I don't speak. So that was a challenge. What? You had to learn Chinese? So how long did that take you to learn Chinese? Like six months, three months, two months? They kind of just fed me the Chinese dialogue. So I would learn it in English. And then they would give me the translation of it before I'd go on camera. So I would, not before I'd go on camera, I studied a lot. I, right. I repped the Chinese a lot. But um, I would have to be like refreshed before I'd go up because I didn't speak Chinese. So I would act it out and practice it in English. But on the day, like I would have to like try to remember the Chinese version of it. I mean, I think the, the weirdest part that I always have when it comes to like Hollywood and I'm thinking about you being a 10 year old kid, how does that work like? Do is it was it shot not in the United States, right? Shot in Hawaii. Shot in Hawaii. So you're there and you're staying there for like two, three months. And now your entire mindset of Hollywood has completely changed. Do they look at you at that moment and go, okay, this kid is really good in Tropic Thunder. Let's start shopping him around so therefore he can start acting in other movies. That, that's exactly what happened. I think at, right after I did Tropic, it opened up a lot of opportunities for me. I was able to you know, hook up with a bigger representation. I was able to score a few like guest starring roles right after that, just based on my performance in Tropic. And I think like that one big gig really validated my career as an actor. And like, after you book something that's like a high budget project like that, you're already on the radar of so many people. So I think that was like the essentially the equivalent of winning like the acting lottery. I mean, I think, okay, so I see a lot of child actors and they suddenly get a lot of like Finn from stranger things. He's suddenly getting like all these like movies and then yeah. you're in Tropic Thunder. And then also you're getting these guest appearances like community. Yeah. For example, community wasn't an audition. They, they liked my performance in Tropic and they gave me that. Like that, like this, like quickly. Yeah. They're like, Hey, we like that kid. Let's pull him on for an episode. And then you were on Ender's game as well. Yeah. That I auditioned for though. 
So most of my stuff I auditioned for, but right after Tropic, I, I got a few things they just gave me because of Tropic. I understand that also you're, uh, you auditioned for Shang-Chi. Yeah, yeah. Who's, how'd you know that? Because you told me and I just want to get into that. Um, <laughs> also, I'm a big fan of Destin Crenson because he uh, loves Brie Larson. And he does a lot of stuff with like Brie Larson and stuff. And so, but as uh, an Asian American right now, like in this acting world, right? Yeah. You, you've done stuff with Wong Fu Productions and you're doing a bunch of other things, which is fascinating. And you're on TikTok and it's very like heavily Asian. Right, right. Are you seeing more competition right now in this moment as an Asian American or do you see more doors like opening? Because I'm looking at Stranger Things and I'm looking at all those like, kid actors and there's so many in so many movies and so many different TV shows. And I'm just thinking, where is your career right now going? And what do you think the landscape of being an Asian American actor look like? You know what? I, I think there's a couple ways to look at it. Like you could see it as competition is increasing, but I just, I also see the flip side of that, which is like, there's more opportunity. And I don't think it's ever going to be a point where it's like overly saturated with Asians, just how I don't feel like it's ever going to be overly saturated with um, Caucasian actors. Um, I, I just see it as more opportunities. And I think it's just good to have Asian representation out there. Um, I, I do know what you mean though, because I do notice that it's, I, I, I'm starting to see people that I guess are my peers that I'll be seeing in the audition room. So like those would be the people that I'm going up against. Um, but honestly, like that's may the best man get the job. Like, I don't do, you ever, do you ever get jealous or does it ever like irk you a little bit? Like, fuck, I, I need to get this or. I, I think it's a pretty human reaction to be like, damn, I wish I had that. But I never let it be in an unhealthy way where I start beating myself up over it or I start like resenting the other person because I think I'm aware enough to like catch myself before I go down that path. But there are moments where I'm like, Oh, like how come I didn't get that? Or, Oh, I feel like I could do that. But I don't, I try not to dwell on things like that. So how do you work on that? Because, you know, I'm in the digital world and I'm always fighting to be the person that creates the ad for a company. And then when I see someone, I'm just like, fuck, I could do it so much better. Um, the way that you work on it is just like, I feel like it's like a type of thick skin that I've developed just from being in the industry so long because um, <laughs> the entertainment industry in particular is just like a series of closing doors. Like that's what it feels like to be an actor, especially an Asian actor. And 99% of the time is just going to be people saying no to you. Yeah. So I've gotten pretty accustomed to like understanding that things aren't mine and things can be taken away and you know not to take things for granted and just be appreciative of the opportunities when they come up and give it my best shot but no one owes me anything and i'm not you know i'm not entitled to any position it's like anyone who gets it is because they deserved it and if i didn't get it it's not like they took it away from me because i was already with zero in the first place you so, know i wow i love that you're already zero in the first place yeah you can't take a job from you that i never even had that is true I mean, when I started auditioning, I think last year and getting those no's, the first time I got that no, I was like, what the fuck did I do wrong? And I'm like, <laughs> I really like beat myself over it. You I think, fucked up. Yeah, literally. And so. Personal, dude. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it takes, it takes, it's a, it's a, it's a muscle. And I'm glad that you develop kind of like that muscle. Ooh, I love the hat. Thank so you. now, now with COVID and everything, I see that you're actively posting kind of more on social media right yeah. on tiktok and everything is that something that you are more excited about when it comes to this or like what's your goal like right now you have a tiktok account and it's 
growing immensely. What was the strategy behind that? Like, what made you go, time to do TikTok, time to get started? What's going on? My whole life, like, I've had such a love-hate relationship with social media. Like, I freaking hated posting. I hated engaging and commenting and all the little thumb clickings. And it was all a pain in the ass to me. But then, like, I stopped seeing it as work and started seeing – well, now I see it as work. Like, it's become a part of my job. But I started seeing, like, what exactly social media is. And it's, like, the opportunity to connect, to create, to communicate, to express yourself. And it's just like, it is whatever you make it. So if you make it into a pain in the ass, like it's going to be a pain in the ass. But if you could make it into a game, if you could make it into like something you could actually like, you know, you, you could actually shoot for things and make little goals for yourself. I think it makes it a lot less tiresome. So, what's, what's an example of that right now? So you say it's a job. So in the very beginning, I think in January, you were like, oh, I'm just going to post whenever I post. But now do you have like a content schedule, scripting? Like, how does it yeah. go? it's pretty loosely scheduled, but, um, but now I have more of a strategy as to like how I post and what I post. Like, for example, I, I've really figured out hashtags. I really figured out what content does well, what content I could, um, regularly produce in a realistic manner. Um, I've gotten used to like the engagement aspect. I've actually developed like quite a few relationships with my followers and it's just, it's been a really interesting process, but it, it, it went from just being a pain in the ass to something that not only I have to do, but I could actually enjoy doing. Um, and I've surrounded myself by other people that are in the social media space that are really good at what they do. And we're all very supportive of each other. So I think having a team really helps with that and having people to look at that are doing well. I think that's a good to have like those role models in your life. And, um, and yeah, I, I think it's just, because a lot of my options have been taken away due to being in lockdown, I found so many other options. So right now I'm working on like an online martial arts program. And oh I've been, shit. And yeah. So I'm like going to set, I'm going to start creating those and I'm actually doing like live classes every week that people could sign on and like they could subscribe to those classes. So that I'm going I'm to works for that. Um, just because I've been training so much and everyone always hits me. Yeah. You're, you're a martial artist. Not, yeah. Not, people always I, 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 people always ask me to train. So I was like, you know, I should just make something out of this. And my friends, they already have all like the hardware and like the infrastructure to put this stuff together. So they're like, all we need you to do is just show up. And I'm like, I'm here for it. Um, and social media, like TikTok is something that like my friends, Alan and Shu, who, who you're familiar with, of course, you know, Alan. Yeah, I love um, Alan. Yeah, yeah, Alan's sick, man. He's actually the one who convinced me to download TikTok. <laughs> like, he convinced me to do it. And prior, I was just like, uh, let me see what this is about. And I checked it out. I'm like, it's kind of stupid, but it's kind of fun. And then like fast forward three days, like I'm addicted, like full blown. Yeah, because they hit the For You page and you're like, I want this so much. I love the content. This is what I want to see. And then you're good. Yeah. And then you get that like little dopamine hit of validation. And you're like, people like my shit. <laughs> that's okay before we even get to i really want to dive into how you know about hashtags and kind of that entire strategy one oh, of the things hear from you man if anything like you, you could teach me all about that <laughs> um no i'm not as not as, as good as you guys um remember i'm just in the i'm the i'm the guy behind the guy but yes thank you um the guys yeah. need you Oh, yes, definitely. I helped grow an account to 1.7 million followers. But right now, because of everything, uh, the ban, we're seeing like low conversion rates. But we'll get there in a second. Um, the whole dopamine, when I'm realizing something with the whole dopamine, yes, you get that like you feel fucking good. But what I've been realizing, especially during this lockdown, is that 
it doesn't really hit oxytocin levels. So yes, you get the dopamine of the hit, but oxytocin is that physical interaction of exact happiness. Um, like the physical touch. That's why when you have like porn, for example, you watch it, you ejaculate, boom, that's just a dopamine kick. But that's actually, no, that's dopamine. Mm-mm. Right. But then when you have, uh, you know, physical interaction of like lovemaking or whatever, Love that making. is oxytocin. That's why it increases, especially when you orgasm. And that's why when a woman orgasms and then cuddles with you, that oxytocin is like through the roof. And then from there, that cuddling after that orgasm equates to holding and touching and loving. And so how do you kind of, I guess where you go with this is, yeah, you're getting all these dopamine kicks, but do you actually feel happy? And I guess the question is, do you feel happy? Well, I, I got to go back a couple steps on this statement because I, I've never actually, I don't understand the reference because I've never actually um, witnessed the girl orgasming before. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So that's actually like, we got to take a different example and a different approach. Um, <laughs> have you ever hugged, have you, have you ever hugged somebody for six seconds or longer? I've seen a wiki how about hugging, but I've never actually. <laughs> oh <my done>. God. <laughs> yeah. Brandon. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Has anybody said I love you? Has anybody said I love you in person? I'm I'm a pretty affectionate dude. I'm just kidding, man. I, I know, people. I know. I just want to see how far <laughs> we can go. <laughs> I love cuddling and shit, man. That's that's all me. I don't want people to think I'm some kind of fucking cyborg. No, no, it's okay. But you you feel that right in your fucking brain, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I get the example. And back to your serious question was: there's the serotonin and dopamine hit. Is it sustainable? Like actual grounded happiness. Right. Is the dopamine like a grounded happiness that you have? And, and in I, addition I, I to that, like right now in your life, do you feel happy? I think the grounded happiness comes more from like doing things and having a sense of purpose behind it and actually feeling like you're doing the right thing. And feel, this is personal. Like when I'm feeling like I'm in the right place of where I should be and things seem to be falling into place, that's what makes me feel like a sustained happy. It, it makes me feel like I'm whole and complete. Like, um, which, you know, you shouldn't really equate your job and your, your success and stuff like that to being whole and complete. But I think just the general feeling of being in the right place when there is no resistance and like your, your chakras are aligned or whatever, I, I think that's what like happiness is to me. Obviously, those like little quick bursts of like virality, like when a video pops off or if someone, you know, shoots me like a really sick compliment, like th- that's a little momentary burst of happiness. But I think the real joy comes from like, doing what I love and feeling like honestly like feeling productive makes me happy yeah that's so strange Uh, like being productive makes you so happy like this morning like I had all these meetings and I felt like I was getting things done and I think that's that is such a happy moment you know that part of like toxic productivity culture like are we just conditioned to be like that because we live in a capitalist society Especially during the pandemic where we're in a situation where, you know, because you're always inside, work is inside and also relaxation is inside. There's no real divide between what is work and what isn't. And uh, that's that can be rather seriously very fucking frustrating. Um, One of the things, though, that you kind of mentioned, I think what you're trying to say is, I don't know if I'm wrong, but you appreciate the journey, which is making you kind of happy, the process of making it happy, right? What you would say, but here's the thing. So you're an artist, right? Yeah. And then there's this, yeah, yeah. So there's this like big debate and people are like, oh, I love the journey and everything. 
but are you truly an artist if no one can understand or see your work? Yeah, doesn't mean you're a great artist or a widely acceptable artist, but you could be an artist if you just be a really shit one, or even just like your own unique style of artist that maybe no one else gets, but deep down in your heart of hearts, you're a creator and you're expressing yourself and that's like your own unique flavor. But if no one else gets that, it doesn't mean you're not an artist. Maybe you're just not a very like marketable artist. There we go. See, that's something that I've been like trying to debate with a lot of people. And I think that's right. They always like mention Van Gogh, but he, he was, you know, he died before anybody figured out that he was a genius or I'd rather be like Picasso, but how I see art. And I'm glad that you said that is art to me is where you can take some sort of complicated idea that's inside your head, maybe some new idea that's inside your head, and you're able to create something, manifest something where people can look at it and be moved. Now, the more people, obviously, that you move, the marketable, more marketable you are, the more that you're more likely to get monetary uh, rewards. And then from there, you're able to even create even more art. And I, that's like something that I kind of want to like push for artists and TikTokers and creators that I work with. It's like, yes, this is your creation, but how do you make money? So let's go into, before we even get to the engagement part, like how do you make money? Yeah. Um, me personally, the way that yeah. I make money is so far not through TikTok. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'm not making any money off TikTok yet, but that's, that's one of the goals. But right now the money that I'm making is coming in from acting yeah, my 100, almost 100% of my income comes from acting, um, kind of smart investments that I've made since I've been really little. Thankfully, I've had people in my family kind of point me in the right direction in terms of like where to put my money and stuff. So it's like not just like sitting on my dick. Um, right. Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dogecoin. Oh my God. Are you, do you have Dogecoin right now? To the moon. <laughs> oh, really? Dogecoin to the moon. No, I, oh I wanted to because... I figured out that recently like Dogecoin became a, a meme again on TikTok. A bunch right. of kids on TikTok have been buying Dogecoin, which is hilarious. So I try to find my old like Bitcoin wallet and platforms that I was on and go buy some Dogecoin, but I forgot my password. So I couldn't buy more Dogecoin. Ah, uh, dude, Coinbase, 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 man. Does Coinbase sell Dogecoin? Uh, yeah, you can buy, you can buy a bunch of different, uh, what's it called? Digital currencies? Yeah, because I, 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 I used to have a coin. I, ha, I still have my Coinbase account, but I don't think you could buy Dogecoin on it. Really? I know you could buy like Ethereum. And, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, something with a T. Like I don't know. I can't. I have a gambling problem, and so I'm not allowed to do stocks or anything of that nature. So then don't get. I mean, then you don't have to gamble with stocks and stuff. You could also just buy like an index fund and just sit on that, and that'll be better than putting it in the bank for sure. Yo, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do put money in a REIT. So, a REIT. yeah. REIT. What's a REIT? It's like um, IRA, but yeah, it's basically, but it's like, it's basically that. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, as long as it's doing something, it's. Yeah. Let the, let the money work for you. I'm gonna, but I'm always like trying to make money. So, I mean, that's oh, yeah. the thing. so we talked about, you talked about like, now that you understand kind of TikTok and the engagement, what is your, so what, first off, what type of content do you make on TikTok? Like, how do you define yourself? Like, what is your mission? Do you think? Um, I make general relatable comedy skits with a slight bent towards Asian culture and anime. Okay. All right. And what's the largest video that you've ever produced? Like how many views did it get? I, I, don't, I don't think I have like super big viral stuff, but I have a couple that have broken like one and a half million that's really good. What the fuck are you talking about? 
but like generally like in TikTok numbers, some of it's like stupid big. So I think like my, I have a few videos that are like generally viral, but not like crazy viral. I mean, I think the average that you have is what, like 200,000, 100,000. And that's yeah. still like the 1%. There's, um, there was like an article recently where I think only 1% of, or 2% of TikTok users have over a thousand followers. Wow. So even if you, if you hit that, you're, you're just, you know, you're there already. There's so, definitely like a follower disparity, kind of like the, um, it's like the upper 1% and it's just like, it doesn't get distributed evenly. Well, not every single content is good. And some people don't even post content in general. Like you sometimes look at it and you're like, oh my God, this is missing so many things. Like Alan saw one of my videos and he was say, Jonathan, they didn't go viral because of X, Y, Z. And I was like, fuck, you're right. <laughs> did Alan, did Alan dissect one of your content pieces? Yeah. So I have four videos right now. Uh, my first video, I got really lucky because I saw this Asian hashtag Asian trend going around about like people just talking about being Asian. And then that whole mirror thing. So people come in and they, and so I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. So I decided to do a TikTok where I go in front of the mirror and I go uh, one day without shaving my face and then three days and then seven days, then a whole month. And there's still nothing. Right. And I went, oh my God. I'm like, oh fuck. And so then I was able to get like 2000 followers from it and like 400,000 views. And then I haven't posted in like a year. And then my next three videos, they have less than like a thousand views and Alan was able to look at it and tell you what I did wrong, which is cool. Would you consider getting a new account? No. Because a, a, a pretty interesting thing that I've noticed about TikTok is like when you first start your account, it'll give you a chance. And after your trial period is over, it'll be like, okay, like what have you done in your trial period? And it'll like give you an assessment. And based on your trial period, it seems to give you a score. So if you do really well during the first few posts that you make, then it'll start promoting all your shit. But yeah, after the trial period, it's really hard to break out of that if they give you a low score to start with. Really? Is that what happened with you? You decided to create a new account? I never started a new account, but that's what I've noticed. It's like people, when they first start, it starts on a fresh slate, your, your algorithm's clean, and you better have like your starting posts be quality. And after that, it seems to be like, after your algorithm already deems you like, okay, this guy, he's not consistent or he's posting poopy stuff, it'll start um, hurting your score and it'll be hard to climb back up. But I think starting a new account might be a good idea, especially if you have like good constant banked. Um, it might be a good idea to just like consistently post good stuff for one week and you'll start off on a clean slate again. And I think getting those 2,000 followers back will be pretty fucking easy. Holy shit. That's kind of like a risk. Do you think? Not too much. I start off with zero followers and then I just pray, I guess. So not pray, but start off with zero followers, have five videos that you know are going to perform well. Memes that you kind of put your own twist on or just like make some like really interesting commentary and five good videos and just every day post one of them, post one of them, post one of them. And I guarantee you if they're five quality videos, your algorithm score will be a lot cleaner and then you'll always consistently get good performing videos. Thanks, man. I like this. Um, do you have any hashtag advice? Because I don't believe in hashtags. I mean, one of the people that I work with, he doesn't put any hashtags, but 
Do you? On TikTok, no. Right. I haven't found that hashtags have been super important for me on, on TikTok. I put them in just because like, I think it does something and maybe it doesn't give you a crazy amount of engagement, but I think it might point your content towards certain audiences. You know, I, I don't think it'll like double your views or get you a bunch of engagement, but I think in the long run, it'll kind of like mold your like account and channel towards certain audiences that are looking for that type of stuff. So a lot of my shit's anime and I'll always throw in an anime, you know, tag into my anime related stuff. And I think I've heard that generally that helps anime fans find your videos. Interesting. Whereas on Instagram, I use hashtags a lot and it gives me a lot more engagement, like, like 90% more engagement when I use hashtags. Really? In, ha in Instagram? Yeah. Cause I'll actually look at my analytics and it'll say like 90% of the people weren't following you like for, um, for the engagement on my Instagram posts. And I use a lot of hashtags. It'll say like 90% of the people that engaged weren't actually following you. They found you by hashtag. Oh my God. Okay. So now I'll do that with, uh, with my Instagram. I rarely post, but I think that's a very, very good idea. Holy shit. I use a website called best hashtag. Best hashtag.com. Yeah. Something so if like I'm that. posting like a kickboxing video or, um, videos do really well on tick on Instagram, by the way, Instagram loves videos. Well, and that's the, that's the thing. That's the thing that everybody wants to do. Um, wait, so what do you think is your main passion right now? Is it, I mean, of course it's acting obviously, but that's what you want to do and that's where you're making money. Yeah. Well, do studios now look more at your socials for anything for like, does it give them a boost or do they even care about that shit? They're starting to. They're starting to. What do you mean? Um, studios and, and reps and casting directors, they're starting to look at numbers because they're realizing that it matters. Um, oh, because you could like promote it from your channels. Exactly. It's instantaneous built in audience and marketing. So I bring on Charlie into my movie. That's already a million tickets sold instantly. So Charlie's going to cost a million dollars to bring on, but if a million of her followers watch my movie, that already pays for itself. I didn't, that's so fucking true. But I, does that mean that it's kind of like flawed though in some sort of way? Because, but what is talent really? I was about to say, does that mean like a lot of talented people are shooed away? But if you are talented, you're able to gather an audience in general. Talent's not that important. Really? What do you mean by that? What matters then? Um, it's a whole cocktail of things. In what realm do you, are you talking about here? Acting in this case. In acting. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of hyper talented actors that can't get work. Because it's, I, I heard this from a friend of mine. Um, he says, acting is show business. So it's one part of it's the show aspect. So you've got to perform, you know, you've got to be talented, of course. But the other half of it is business. So not only do you have to be good at what you're doing, that should be a given. It's like a restaurant that has a really good recipe for dumplings, but they still go underwater because they don't know how to run a fucking restaurant. But um, even if their dumplings are delicious, which I've experienced amazing restaurants that go under because they can't run a business. So you could be a good actor, which is a given. You should be a good actor if you're going into it. But also you have to understand the business aspect of it in terms of um, do you have all your materials sharp and together? Do you network correctly and you go to the events that you need to go to? Do you maintain certain relationships and put yourself out in occasions that would find you opportunities? Um, are you willing to learn and, you know, just do whack bullshit in order to like gain experience and climb the ladder? 
what's like a what's like a whack bullshit thing that you've done i mean not everything you know i don't maybe you don't have to share it. maybe how about this instead of whack bullshit what is something that you had to do that was a little different that you maybe didn't really want to do but it really helped you with your career that's number one and then number two how do you personally keep your brand solids for show business keep my brand solid for show business i guess yeah. i'm still working on that because i'm pretty all over the place with my branding um i think i'm starting to crystallize and actually find out what that is these days um especially being on social media like i think i'm starting to finally market myself as this thing people see me as like that one guy that kind of looks like bruce lee but sounds like zuko and likes food and does martial arts so my niche is everywhere um but hey, you have a really good voice for anime by the way for like voiceover work thank you man that's Ideally, I want to start focusing more on voiceover work. Isn't it? That's a lot of money. I think some people get paid like $100,000 just for a week. I mean, depending who you are. That's if you're the fucking Simpsons, but voiceover stuff doesn't pay as well as live action stuff generally. Um, but it's but yeah, easy. It's, it's easier easy in the sense where you can pull up and do a whole episode in one day. So it's, it's easier work. But um, the, the backside is maybe it won't pay near, it'll, it'll pay a little bit less, usually. I like that. So, like, I know you're. Sick, dude. So, does that mean that everything you post on Instagram and TikTok is catered towards your brand, or right now you're just like, whatever, I'm just gonna post. This is my creative thing. This is what I like to do. Fuck it. So, I, I half of me knows that building a niche is more successful for my for my social media platforms. Like, being more specific with my niches, and you know simplifying my content so like focusing on maybe like two things max but another half of me doesn't want me to be a niche it wants people to want to see what i'm doing because i am such a multifaceted creature that has all these interesting interests but the underlying thing that pulls it all together is me so i'm trying to build it in a way where people see that i'm into these certain things but they're not there for any specific thing they're there for me and i want that to be the case oh wow which I know is a hard way to do it, but I feel like the only way that I could really be comfortable with what I'm doing and the only way to really build lasting fans, because I am all over the place, is for the fine real fans that understand that I'm all over the place. And those are going to be the people that actually like follow me in the long run. You know, that's actually something that I've been thinking about for a while. And I started because, as you know, I'm a creative director. I help brands and influencers go viral on the Internet and then also make sure that they can sell their products online and it's fun. Like marketing is very fun, but at the same time, great at it too. By the way, I've seen what? some. Of the, you're great at it too because I've seen some of the projects that you've been a part of, and I'm like, dude, those are fucking. They're they're brilliant. Thank you so much. I mean, ads are just like my favorite thing to do. I love selling shit online because I understand consumers and I get direct uh, to consumers. So thank you so much for that compliment. My love language is affirmation. So. You're making me happy, Brandon. There's that oxytocin, man. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is kind of show business because, like, you're telling a story, but you're also understanding the business aspect of it. So I think you, you definitely have a good understanding of that. Thank you. I'm just – but now I also want to get more into the entertainment side, and I've had some viral videos that was just mainly creative. And I'm kind of in a weird spot because I don't want to be known as the marketing guy. I want to be known as the creator, but I have low followers. I don't have anything. And so every time I post anything, even if it's creative, the inbound leads that I get, the people that come to me are always asking for marketing advice. 
It's like the Godfather part three. Every time I want to leave, they just pull me back in. And so yeah. I've been kind of struggling with that. But I, so uh, relating back to what you said is kind of like making me think that maybe just fucking post everything and hopefully just find the right audience that will understand that you're everything. I mean, look at Kevin. I was thinking about this the other night. I actually last night because I've been having nightmares and stuff, but I've been thinking about Kevin Hart and I was like, wait a minute. Kevin Hart is a fucking motivational speaker, comedian, actor, business, motivator, marketer in such a way. His, we pillar, can... his pillar is comedy. Oh, explain this then. So I, I think that he built a name for himself off of one thing that he was really fucking good at. He was like, a really talented comedian he made he made an empire in comedy and i think once he got to that place he kind of like built outwards from that um i, I guess that kind of goes against what i was saying in terms of post everything but i think he also he got big not by doing everything but he got big, big through comedy and then he became everything so maybe that would be the way to go about it like gary vaynerchuk he his whole thing he's a creator and he is churning out content 24-7, like I'm sure you know Gary Vee's like, stuff. Um, he got big out of marketing. That is true. He's like the world's most famous marketing guy. Um, but um, I, I think... It's like a struggle because there's only so many marketing things that you can do before you get like really bored. Does that make sense? Absolutely, dude. I mean, I have a course that I sell uh, where people come in and they buy and there's like fucking 12 videos about how to do marketing. And then I have, uh, you know, clients pay me. And so I'm just like thinking about how to kind of mix it all in between. But that's like the fun thing about it because I do love marketing. Maybe I have to film it a different way. Maybe someone has to film me and edit it. I don't know. But with you, if, if you're focused now on kind of anime and martial arts, do you think that your pillar will be martial arts? Yeah, I think that is kind of my pillar right now on social media is um, general Asian shit, dude. <laughs> I want to keep it, I want to keep it as broad as possible because like as soon as I like feel myself getting too pigeonholed in, like I feel like I just put myself in a fucking trap. So, so I'm going to try to keep it broad, but I know that it helps by being specific. So mm -hmm. it's a, that's also my struggle. I think that's good, but what I've been noticing, and, and maybe take this with a grain of salt, but um, like being very specific on, let's say, let's say you, let's say, okay, this is going to be sound like, this is going to sound so controversial. I love, okay, I love Wang Fu Productions. I love them so much, but I always look at kind of the model of like Aziz Ansari or um, Mindy Kaling, where they do something where it's very broad, especially when it comes to white audiences. They create their content on The Office or Parks and Rec. And once they have that level of fame where um, middle of America or white America or a broad, um, uh, a broad audience can get to know them, then they divert into specific pieces of content that is catered towards, you know, their ethnic background. And I'm trying to figure out- started off by doing more universally acceptable content. Universal accepted content. We're looking at, uh, yeah, like Parks and Rec, um, the office that Mindy Kaling wrote for. Uh, 
when it comes to when it comes to Aziz Ansari, modern romance, you know, very, very heavily focused on a broad universal audience. And and rarely did he in his stand-up, rarely did he in his pieces of video content, did he ever talk about, you know, his ethnicity. Just a little bit. Maybe he made fun of it sometimes here and there, but it wasn't who he is. You didn't think Mindy Kaling, um, you know, content creator that does only India stuff. Yeah. Indian stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm just trying to dissect, as an Asian American artist, is it smart to create just specific content or an organization or a company that elicits a perception that it's just Asian? Like, there's a difference between Alan Chicken Chow as an individual person but then like Alan Chicken Chow who owns a company called Chinese Dumplings Productions. You know what I mean? I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, I know that's a little much, but especially in this time, even if we're in a very um, culturally diverse time and everybody wants to be more diverse, I think. I think from a marketing standpoint, definitely making yourself as like the Asian creator is, is a little bit dangerous mm-hmm. just because like that does limit your audience and it does limit your demographic so obviously i think the best move would be to be like acceptable by everybody like you're hitting the entire like demographic like that would be ideal i also think it's harder to do that to be like a mindy kaling or an season sorry because they're so good at what they do that they kind of transcend their niche i think i think they're so good at what they do that they can like they could just be their own niche. So if you could, I think just being funny enough to apply to all audiences is one way to go about it. Um, but also like focusing down on just Asian content, Hispanic content, it'll, I think, build you a brand really quickly. But the difference is like, you're kind of stuck there. So that's yeah. like the trappings of both. One is like, you want to be universally acceptable and universally loved, but that's, it's a bit hard to accomplish that unless you're really that fucking good. Um, or you just do something general like unboxing videos, but I don't think a lot of artists like would find that sufficient. Hi, I'm Brandon, and today we're opening a cake. You cut it open. Hi, I'm Brandon. We're opening up this camera. And then CAA is like, yes, we should do a series on this. And you're like, oh. But didn't you see like um, recently the meme is that everything is cake? Oh, yeah. Everything is cake. There's a funny little TikTok where this guy, he's watching television and he thinks it's cake. And then he starts opening everything. And in the very last scene, he like grabs himself, like his own backside. And then it's cake. He's like, ah! Yeah, I love the everything is cake memes. I feel like there's like an offset of people that actually have a phobia that nothing is real, like the Matrix kind of people. Yeah. And I think videos like that are literally their kryptonite. Like, that's going to scare the shit out of a lot of people. Oh, my God. It's so much fun. You start questioning your reality, like, maybe everything is cake. Oh, my God. Is it everything's cake? I don't know. I'm, I don't know. So what do you think about this whole, like, TikTok ban? Um, I, well, in terms of, like, what I'm doing with generally Asian content is that I don't want to just like, be doing, like, fucking Ching Chong jokes, like, uh, Uncle, Uncle Chan type of shit. And, um, yeah. I, I think what I'm doing is just being authentic to my own background and paying homage to like my own upbringing without playing into it like a caricature. I think that's what I want is because like for, I can't not mention Asian shit because like I'm Asian as fuck. Like that's my yeah. whole life. You're fucking Asian ex- as fuck. 
yeah, I came from San Gabriel Valley, which is like little China of, of America. Like it's way more Asian than Chinatown. 818, baby. Dude, the 626, bro. Oh, you're 626. Oh, yeah, that, that's the that's SGV. But um, it's just authentic to my own experience of being a human being is incorporating Asian shit into it. I'm not trying to put on an Asian joke because I'm Uncle Channing it up. It's just, that's just me. So I, I think that's important to kind of distinguish, you know? And I, I think I'm trying to teeter that line of saying stuff that makes sense and is true to me without being um, exploited, exploitative. Yeah, that's going to be something that we have to think about is because Alan and I were actually talking about this where there's a lot of Asian content and that's cool. But what we're seeing is that there has to come to a point where the upper, like, how do I put this simply? There's a lot of like millennial and Gen Z content. And then all of a sudden their parents in that piece of content always have some sort of accent. And right now we're diverting into a new generation where there is a lot of Gen Y uh, fucking millennials that are having kids now that are our parents right now. And they don't have accents. They were born in America. There's a lot of, basically there's a lot of second generation Asian Americans right now. And the question that becomes when in the fucking movies and videos do the Asian characters especially their parents, especially the elders, they no longer have accents. They no longer have that stereotype of being Asian or that stereotype of where that Asian-specific elder has an accent and because of it, it follows in that stereotype where we as the consumers that are also Asian go, ha, ha, laugh, laugh, laugh. Does that make sense? For sure. I mean, I totally get that because I'm a fourth generation Chinese guy. My parents never had an accent. Um, I think it's, it's easy to write the characters like that just because once you have the old Asian accent, like you immediately recognize like, okay, that's the grandpa. Okay, that's the grandma. So I feel like it, it's also out of just convenience sake. Not to excuse the implication that, you know, not all Asians sound like that, but I feel like it's like a, it, it's an easy device to use for people to immediately recognize that it's like, okay, that's who that character is. That's the grandma. And uh, I I do see the fallacy where it's just like, okay, we don't all fucking sound like that. But I also see the convenience of like, okay, it's easy to recognize that character by just really caricaturizing the grandma voice. And uh, because if you just use the voice that I'm speaking with right now, that doesn't sound like an Asian grandma. No, it doesn't. Everybody spoke like this. That sounds like a white grandma. So it's like, you really want to specify what kind of grandma this is. And sometimes you, I, I felt the need to add that accent in there, but um, my grandma had an English accent, but that would make no sense to put that in a skit. That would she, make no sense. Yeah, my my grandma's from England, but if I like wrote in an, a grandma character with an English accent, they'd be like, "Fucks up with that grandma? Why does she speak in an English accent?" So it's it's more like it's more of the convenience of it's an understandable device. Understandable I, device. Okay. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to be negative about it. It's no, no, it's that a good question. It's a good question, and it's something that I'm also thinking about too. It's like, okay, like, what's a more creative way to do this without having to caricaturize this old lady? Yeah, is there a way to present a character and make them perceived as the elder without having that stereotype, right? And it's, I like characterization. It's funny because in YouTube and TikTok, 
there is no backstory and there is no character development and there is no explanations for anything. So generally things need to be instantaneously understandable. So whatever is lowbrow and sometimes even slapstick, it works the best on the platform just because you don't have the chance to really be sophisticated about your stuff for the most part. You got to just say like what immediately sticks and what just from like a quick glance, you know what that thing is. Because anything more than that struggles to stick on TikTok. But if I were to make a longer form YouTube video, I would love to make a more complex and deep character that like, maybe this is like a more like progressive grandma, or maybe this is like a kind of like hybrid grandma. You could actually make it like layered, but anything layered in TikTok is a, uh, is a gamble. Wow. That's really good advice because Alan was saying the same thing. It's everything's got to be super quick on TikTok. You have to have many different frames as possible. You have to get to the punchline as quickly as you can. Yeah, and if it is longer form, every second of it has to be engaging. Do you think that it's kind of not ruining, but changing the landscape of traditional media in the sense that will these kids, not these kids, yeah. will these TikTok users uh, appreciate a show again? Will appreciate a movie again? Let's be real. A lot of them are kids. But um, we, we feared that TV would do the same thing to films. And we figured that YouTube would do the same thing to TV. And we figured that Snapchat would do the same thing to Instagram. And then here we are still listening to like 10 hour audiobooks and four hour podcasts. And Joe Rogan has more viewers and listeners than ever. And his conversations go on for four hours long. And uh, people are commuting. You know, people are having more free time now that things are getting automated. It's, um, I don't think TikTok is taking away anything. Maybe more kids and more younger folks are going to start using TikTok and that's the kind of content they'll be more inclined to view. But that, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I don't, cause I don't know what human brains are even built to use smartphones and human brains aren't even built to look at television. So like for us to see like, is this worse? Like, I don't even know if entertainment was a good idea in the first place, but is this a good form of entertainment? It's like, clearly it is just because it's enthralling so many people and it's just like a new way that we're going to be functioning. For the good or the worse, I'm not really sure, but we didn't know if TV was for the good or the worse either or the internet. You know, as you're saying that, it's kind of making me have this like evolving thesis where I'm realizing that, but when you were starting to explain like, oh, people thought about the TV and television shows and movies and then Snapchat and then Instagram and YouTube, I'm realizing right now that the difference is when people jump into some sort of platform, they know what to expect. So if I'm jumping into TikTok, it's like, I'm going to get fast content. Here we go. This is what I want. If I'm jumping into YouTube, it's like long form content. This is what yeah. I want. I'm looking for a deep dive. You know, I want to actually like learn something. I want to actually like, and you can't even search things on TikTok really. Like if I really want to find a specific scene, or I want to find a specific tutorial. Like I'm going to YouTube or I want to find like a, a snippet from like a video that I really like. I'm going to go to YouTube for that. Anything more than a minute long, which like, we forget that not everything can live on TikTok. Like not, I mean, obviously and not like everything that, can live on YouTube and not everything can live off a movie. Not everything. Yeah, it's can just live a new television. platform that like, if you were taking a little poo poo and you wanted to pass the time, yeah. very free, like a little, little bit of time, you could look on TikTok. But if you were like, you know, chilling in bed with your loved one, you're not going to like both pull up TikTok. And I mean, maybe you do, but like there, there's no like TikTok and chill. I feel like you're going to Netflix and chill. You want to like, Put on some uh, fucking up in the background and get busy. Uh, yeah. The office and get busy, or or yeah, the or the movie Love. Have you have you did you see that? Which uh, who did Love? 
No, it's uh, it's the the first scene is so weird. Yeah. It's don't uh, no, watch it later by yourself and record yourself. But right on. <laughs> um, it's fucking crazy. But you know that's a really good thing. I, I people are always you're right. People are always worried about the different time like attention spans. But if you're jumping on certain platforms, you'll know what you're gonna get. So I think the advice or anybody that's listening is depending what type of content that you want to put out, if it's fast, if it's deep dive or whatever it is, you have to ask yourself, which platform am I going to put this piece of content into? Yeah. And I, I think it's really good to be aware of like what demographics you're targeting based on the platforms you're on, because I can take some of my TikToks, throw that shit up on YouTube. It's going to bomb. It's not going to do well at all because people don't go to YouTube looking for stuff like that. It has to be stuff catered towards the platform. I like that. What is something that you struggle with on a, on a daily basis and what's something that you're working on you know especially when it comes to marketing maybe i could like yeah yeah dude in terms of marketing um just getting more reach on stuff like instagram is like i'm getting a lot of engagement on my stuff stuff people that aren't like stuff like engagement people that aren't following me but um i want to convert it to actual follows because i'm getting like a lot of views and a lot of likes from random strangers but I want to convert those more to follows. So there's a couple of things that I was able to go from 2000 to 5,000 because of like a couple of things. Um, uh, and my friend who I helped called Karen X, she's at like 300,000 followers now on Instagram. And she went literally from like 3000 uh, to 300,000 in six months. And one of the things that she did was she has a very specific piece of content, but then she would also, also contact other Instagram pages that were really big and DM them and say, Hey, listen, here's a video that I think you should use that will do really well on your video. All I would like for you to do is tag me and say, follow me. And so then what you're actually doing is you're creating collaborations between uh, pages. Um, a lot of meme pages do this really well. Like someone will post something and then someone will come and say, stop copying me people should just follow my fucking page because you copy exactly what I do. It's that collaboration of back and forth that more people, because they're already logged in and following an account, they're fans of that account. And they're like, Oh, if this fan is telling me to join, then I'll do it, which is amazing. But that's of course that costs like a little bit more work because now you're creating two different versions of a video or two videos, one for the page, one for yourself and then planning when they're both coming out, but at least you'll be able to see like exponential growth. So she did that with- What does that look like? So you build, so let's say I shoot um, a tutorial on how to throw a certain kind of kit. How would I split that between the two different pieces? You would just film it differently. It's slightly different. So here's an example. So Karen actually does like a lot of film hacks and she, she had one good video and she gave it to 9gag and I just posted it like original, the same thing that she posted on her channel. Since that did well, they're like, Hey Karen, we want to do something again. And she's like, okay, I got you. But what I'm going to do, she says, is I'm going to give you another version. So she did film hacks where the first video is her with a tracker truck as the, as the cameras in it. Then she does a fish line hook and then she does a laundry basket. Well, she used that on her page. And then for the nine gag one, instead of doing the truck first, she did the fish hook first. Uh-huh. So it's just a different variable. But and it's then the same concept. Same concept. She's just filming it twice. 
or she's editing it twice differently. And would she say like, if you want to see another version of this, check out my page. Like, is that how? Yeah, exactly. And so what's really great is not only are they promoting her on the page, but they're also promoting her on the stories, but guess what? Story uh, collaborations don't do shit. You don't see follows from that. That's what she's noticed in her fucking year and a half of doing this now growing exponentially. Uh, but pages to pages tag saying follow works exponentially on Instagram. And that is like something that I think you should do. Also, this is so important. And I do this with every creator. In fact, a creator asked me for a proposal and I just gave them, they just paid me $2,000 for this. But basically the secret is I always say this, create an email list. So right now, if you go to dogoodjonathan.com, like it is utter fucking shit. I'm talking about like, it is the shittiest fucking page ever. It's just a picture of me and it says, sign up to my email list. And I don't post anything. But because of it, I get like an email almost a day, me not doing anything, no promotion, nothing. And now... I have these true fans that when I send an email about like a merch line or a new video or just to express my fucking feelings, guess what? That is like so strong and they're going to love me and they're retained by me. So if anytime TikTok gets banned, Instagram gets banned, YouTube gets banned, whatever the fuck, if you have that email list, oh my fucking God, at least you can direct them someplace. Um, right, so it's just like I'm only using it if I have something to push or if I just want to have an update. Just have an update. Just have a fun, like, here's an example. Um, I have this client named Michael Sasser. He's a dwarf photographer, and he rarely posts on his YouTube channel. Like, I think his last post was three months ago. But what he does once a month is he sends, like, a little message. Like, hey, guys, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And so what we did was we developed – an automation system when people sign up to his email list, they get a welcome message and they get like five emails in a span of 60 days. But what that allowed us to do was during before Black Friday, we were able to say to his 10,000 following list, I have a product that's coming out Black Friday. I'm going to be sending you six emails in total during Black Friday for you to buy this project that I'm working on. With those 10,000 people, those 10,000 emails, he was able to generate $86,000 in four days. And so what I'm saying is an email list is one of the strongest things that you can do to create and not only an audience, but retain and recruit an audience, which is, I think, so important. Like I get emails to this day because my welcome message is rather cool. And he's like, dude, I love your content, blah, blah, blah. You're probably really busy right now reading over a thousand emails. And I'm like, in my head, like, no, I'm not. But hey, this fucker is responding in a good way. And when I mean fucker, like a true fan. And that's, that's wonderful to me because at the end of the day, right? What I'm realizing, it doesn't matter how many fans you have. What matters is how many true fans you have and the email list allows you to do that and of course like sms also works too so like the community app is really good but you have to apply for that and so, so 
can set up the email list where I just put like um, it in my bio, like sign up for my email newsletter. Yeah, that's it. Easy. Alan's going to be doing it soon. So I had a meeting with him on Sunday and we broke down everything. Um, my friend Roman Burnus, he's, he's doing it, but we were able to, he's, he's jumping on the Facebook bandwagon, which is really good, but just in case TikTok gets banned. And he was able to repurpose everything. And we did specific ads and he went from zero to around 3,500 new Facebook followers and his videos with his engagement. Like one video already has like a hundred thousand views and 2.6 K reactions. So it's all about diversifying, but the best way to start is usually by an email list. Interesting, dude. I yeah. Never, yeah, I never heard about the email list strategy. Dude, here's an example. Okay, so I have 297 emails uh, because of my marketing uh, throughout the last four months because I decided just to do a website called Jonathan Teaches and whatever. And it's automated. Someone bought one of my products for $397 yesterday. And I didn't do anything. No promotion. It's just they signed up on my email list. They got an automated welcome message. And they loved it so much that they decided just to like go to my course and fucking buy a $397 product. And what's funny is the course isn't even complete yet. So I emailed him and I'm like, I'm letting you know that the course isn't complete. Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I like your stuff. I love your emails. Why not? And I'm like, oh, dude. oh my God. So imagine if the course is done. Imagine if I push harder with the emails. I can see myself selling even more courses. So I'm not saying that it's about money, but I'm saying like this is a good way to recruit and retain your audience. And what's really cool is like sometimes you just want to vent. Sometimes you just want to be like, hey, today I want to talk about motivation. I have, um, I wrote a email for the Bador, um, uh, for the Bador client that I had. Cause I, you know, I, that's what I do. I write has all his emails or I did now, now that he's good, but I wrote an email about, you know, the subject line was you're worth more than, you know, and it was just all about like motivation, understanding that it's all, to stop having self doubt, look in the mirror, love yourself. You know, everyone has their own journey and pathway. And because of it, like he got over 220 replies on that email of people thanking him. And he wasn't even selling anything. But by doing that, you're saying to your audience, hey, I'm still thinking about you. You're learning more about my life. And what's really cool is that this is exclusive content just for me, you know? And that's why you put your email list. You put your email list and say, this is exclusive content just for, just for you. Um, have you heard of Tati and Devin? No. Um, so there's a, there's a, there, uh, they have like 2.2 million on TikTok. And Tati, you know, she has a YouTube channel, but she put a, up an email list. And it's like the ugliest thing. And she doesn't even promote it. Dude, she has now. And she just put the email list like less than three weeks. Uh, like now that I looked at like 500 new emails. Yeah. Dude, one of my clients, simple pickup by the time when I left, we had over 450,000 emails, but they, that's why they're like a $20 million company by now. But I mean, like emails are so fucking important. And just in case the algorithm changes on YouTube, just, just in case like anything changes, you have that email list. Right. 
that the email list will be for people to actually like feel like they're connected to me in an exclusive way. And it's like, no matter what platform that I'm in, I could kind of direct that, that energy towards whatever direction that I'm currently like working on. Exactly. And the written word, as you know, I don't know if you know this, but it is the most emotional attachment that you can have with anything. I mean, throughout our entire lives, the one thing that has stayed constant is the written word. Yes, fireplace stories have changed now into plays, which have turned into television and movies. But at the end of the day, everything and memes. Oh, dude, I tell my marketing people memes is the way to learn how to do copy. But at the end of the day, like the written word is the mo- is the thing that will always speak volumes. Why do you think? Trump's tweets do so well and, and they like people because words fucking matter, especially the written word. And that's something that I want you to do. I mean, hey, everyone that's listening, go to spillthefud.com. And I just, I'm updating my website, but there's an email list now. Sign up, you'll get exclusive shit. And I'm being serious with spillthefud.com. But yeah, Brandon, yeah, I love that. You definitely have it like brandonsuhu.com or whatever it is. And so just it's on a website. A, it's on a website. People sign up. Website done. That's really smart, man. Yeah, Alan's gonna be doing it soon. I'm telling you, just do it. Start now. A lot of a lot of marketers and a lot of people regret not having an email list. One more thing. Uh, back to that, the concept of splitting your content into two pieces and having other channels, like kind of like um, share and collaborate. What would that message look like? Reaching out to another page or another channel. It's kind of funny because a lot of people have been asking me that question. I think I'm just going to make a video on it on Jonathan teaches, but um, think about it this way. Have you ever DM'd a girl? Yeah. Instagram. Okay. So I view Instagram as kind of like your dating profile. And so when I DM girls or just anybody in general, and I do a lot of my business actually on Instagram, like that's how a lot of clients get to me. They just go, Hey, Love your stuff. This is who I am. This video or this concept will be good for you. Try it out. Let's collaborate. Oh my God, that's it. Like one creator said, hey, I love him. I drink it all the time. I have 70,000 followers on Instagram. Let's collaborate. Done. With Karen, she does the same thing. Hey, Nine Gag. Um, this video has gone viral before. I think you would love it. Try it out. And if it does work, let's talk some more literal like two sentences three sentences it's hey xyz love your stuff two data points of who you are i have seventy thousand followers and then this video has gone viral try this video out so it'll be like hey hi hey nine gag i have 200,000 followers on TikTok, and I have a video that has over 1.5 million views. I was thinking about you. Here's a video that you could definitely put up on 9Gag. If it works, let me know how we can like work together even more. Done, period, simple. Um, one of my friends, he was able to get um, his friend on, get, more, get Mark Cuban on um, the podcast Morning Brew by like, hey, Mark, my friends have a podcast called Morning Brew that has over 3.5 million listeners and they talk about entrepreneurs. Uh, are you down to interview? If so, I'll connect you both to set up a time. Mark Cuban responded instantly, yes. 
None of this fluff, none of this fluff bullshit of like, this is who I am, paragraph, paragraph. It's just, hey, love you. Here's the stat. We think this will be good for you. Let's do it. Are you down? That's it. Let me go. So for, but for like a girl, for example, it's like when I DM them, I DM them with a voice chat. I go, hey, I just ran across your uh, Instagram, but it's for a very good reason. Um, <laughs> life is crazy and beautiful. As you can see from my profile, I'm all over the place, but I do have a question. Which vegetable gives you the most anxiety, period? So again, it shows like came across them, which is basically saying the same thing, which is I love your stuff. And then um, saying like, if you see my Instagram, I'm a little crazy, but that's basically saying to a brand, I have a video that says it has 1.5 million views, or I have a profile that has 200,000 followers. And then saying the question and then saying what vegetable gives you the most anxiety is basically in the same way of saying to a brand or a person, here's something that I think you'll enjoy. Use it. Let me know what you think. And maybe we can work together. But obviously you don't have to say like, obviously like giving them all that info automatically makes them think I want to work with this person or I don't want to work with this person. Yeah. And it's concise. It's very concise. It's very, remember people are reading their DMS. I always think to myself, if I'm driving a car and I pull up an email or I pull up a DM, is it concise in the beginning enough to a point where they're either down to pull over or at least read while they're driving? That's how I structure my ads too. I'm thinking in the first two to three seconds, is it so engaging that they can look at the ad while they're driving? And then after that, switch over and pull over if they want to? Yeah, yeah. Smart stuff, dude. Because um, I, I think... I've been seeing some my peers, like at least on Instagram posting or getting reposted on pretty big um, accounts, like martial arts accounts and stuff like that. And I was wondering like, what would be the best way to approach these martial arts accounts? Because some of the content that these accounts post are like garbage. Right. <laughs> I mean, some of my videos are fucking cooler than that. Right. Um, so I would make a video. Well, it's not, it's not, just take one of your good videos and then be like, Hey, martial arts, um, love your stuff. I have X amount of uh, TikTok followers. I have this video that got over like, like that, that has a lot of engagement. Here it is. Use it. And if it does well, let's talk some more. Yeah. And then hopefully they fucking tag you. I mean, that's the, they post it up and then there's more details there where you're like, make sure you tag me and shit. But that's how like fucking uh, Karen did it. And then she fucking grows. And now people go to her to collaborate. That's, yeah. that's what ends up happening. I mean, collaboration is the tool. Like how I was able to help Simple Pickup grow from 30,000 uh, YouTube followers to 1.7 million followers by the time I left in 2014 is I brought Prank versus Prank at the time, Jesse Wellens. I emailed him and I said, hey, listen, uh, we have a small channel of like 50,000, but we have an idea that I think it would be fucking fantastic because you love pranks. I'm going to buy you a plane ticket if you say yes. We have a house for you. Let, let me know. He said, yes, I bought him a plane ticket for, I think like we spent like a thousand dollars on him because we bought the plane ticket. He stayed over. He did the collaboration with us and we jumped from 70,000 followers to 300,000 uh, YouTube followers because of that collaboration in like two weeks. Wow. Yeah. 
Simple pickup was the did shit. He, did he post on his account to like say like go follow these guys? Yeah, yeah. So we did. He did a. He has a. He, at the time, prank versus prank had like a daily vlog. So he'd be like, "Yo, guys, I can't believe I'm here right now in fucking Los Angeles, California, from Philly. Um, I'm with these guys. Simple pickup. We're doing something fucking crazy." And so he filmed every day. So he was he was with us for four days. So imagine filming four days of like promotion if you think about it. Then we did two videos, one prank on his video, and then, and then he was on our prank, and then we just linked each other. Holy shit. And so did you film an, a separate concept for his channel and a separate concept for yours, or was it like one concept that was split into two videos? Um, sometimes we do different, like when we collaborated with some other people's, but for him specifically, we just did two parts of, um, what was it called? Like awkward pickup lines or something. Yeah, um, that was fun. Unfortunately, I mean, his video is still up there on his channel, but unfortunately, Simple Pickup, because of the times of pickup and everything, and because uh, Kong and Jesse decided to transition into more educational content, they took down all their fucking videos, and now their videos are just like motivational pieces. But like, it's you know, they still have two million there. But yeah, that's what you did, and so I think, like, what I'm noticing as well when you look at when you look at TikTok, the collaborations that you have with Alan and Shu is that her last name? I call her Shu, right? Shu Shu, uh, you know that collaboration is working really well for them. Of course, it's like more work, like four videos probably takes, you know, five, six hours, but collaborating is so important, especially if they're almost similar pieces of content for that collaboration. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. been mostly us, um, us three, and every once in a while we'll bring on another separate person. Um, I'm trying to, a lot of different creators have reached out and said they want to make stuff. I just haven't really thought of a good idea for them. Um, how do you usually approach like other brands wanting to collaborate? Okay. So on the business side, they, they just DM and then I'm like, okay, but we have to have two videos. Let's, uh, let's jump on a call and, and then, but I'm very specific. Like I'm not jumping on a call unless we have some sort of an idea that we can brainstorm. Yeah. So an example is Sarah Dietschy. She is a YouTuber. One of my really good friends. I love her so much. And there's this company called Mischief. They just did a brand deal with Mr. Beast where it's like finger on the app. And Mischief was like, yo, we really want to connect with one of your influencers, maybe Sarah, because we think we have a really good idea. And before I did anything, I'm like, okay, what's your fucking idea? Tell me about it. So therefore I can tell Sarah so that Sarah can think of a concept right away. So that way when you finally connect, you guys can make something happen ASAP because what ends up happening a lot, Brandon, is that a lot of people, they, they want to connect, they want to connect, they fucking connect and then they don't have anything. So yeah, I even yeah. do this. Yeah. So I even do this with my fucking business people. Uh, like today I'm working with heat and I'm working with uh, super coffee. And before I even had a meeting with them, I'm like, Hey, can you send me your brand guide? Can you send me what's been working? Can you send me everything? And so therefore when we connect, I can have an idea of what you're thinking. So instead of connecting on Monday, we connected today on Wednesday. I had a good idea of their brand. I came up, I had notes and right away I'm getting, you know, they accepted the proposal right there on the spot just by me moving my mouth and telling them from what they told me. And now we're moving on the project on Monday. So you have to do the same thing with creators because creators, like, as you know, you're an actor, you're always moving, you're always going, you go, Hey, Sam Lou. Hey, fucking Wong, whatever the fuck, whatever brand, whatever person, 
We go, I want to collaborate with you. You go, that's dope. This is actually the idea that I had. If you like this idea, let's talk about it further on this date and let's make it happen. I learned that from Simple Pickup because I remember, you know, do you remember FouseyTube and Fatali? Yeah. Yeah, they, they came up to me and we like, I, they wanted me to manage them at the time and they're really cool, but now they're long gone. Yeah, Pranksters was my big thing, as you can tell back then. You know, Loft, Stuart Edge, whatever. Anyway, what I learned was they would, they would, everyone would jump on a phone call and they would get to know each other, but nothing would happen. So now... That, keeps, that seems to be like the easiest thing that happened. Right. And so what you need to do with these people is you need to look at their content. So let's say, who's the most recent person that contacted you that want to collaborate? Some girl wanted to collaborate with me and her whole, her whole niche is golfing and she's really good at golf. Okay. So she wanted she's, to do something with my boxing. All right. So, so she hits you up and then you're like, okay, you go, Hey golfer, um, let me think of something. And then if you like it, and then I also want you to think of something. And if I like it, then actually let's meet up. Let's meet up. And so then you would go and it just takes one day. You're like, maybe I could take the ball and I can punch it. Then you actually write it out like a step-by-step treatment. Like I do one, two, three, four, five points. Like this is what it's going to look like. So for example, when I saw super coffee today, I said to them, Hey, person A is going to do this. It's going to look like this. And then person B is going to do this. And then it's going to look like this. You know, here's the rough outline. Are we on the same page? If so, give me the money so I can do it. Of course, with um, your collaborator with the golfer, you're not going to be asking for money, but you're like, Hey, I saw that you did this video. So this is what it's going to look like. One, two, three, four, five. What do you have? Are you down to do this? They say yes. And then you do it. And then you just fucking get it done. Because how many times, Brandon, have you been sitting in a room or met someone or had a meeting and nothing fucking happened? All the time, dude. Exactly. People are like, oh, we should meet up and chat. We should, we should, you know, think of something together. And then we'll just be both there just with our dicks in our hands. Just like, yeah, fuck that shit. From now on, don't meet up until you both DM'd each other or you both emailed each other or whatever the fuck with an actual one, two, three, four, five, you know, shot list of what it's going to look like. And then when you're there, guess what? You can tinker it and you can add it and you can, you know, feel the vibe. But at least you go in and out because time is money, money's time. And I'm at a point in my life right now, and you are too, where like you have to have hard outs when you're collaborating or when you're filming. You're like, hey guys, I'm leaving by 7 p.m. So we need to, in these four hours, film this, 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 this. And, and you'll grow faster. I mean, look at Karen, for example. Like, hey, Nine Gag, here's a video already. Take it. She doesn't even ask. She just gives now. And so that's where you kind of want to be in a relationship where you just give and you know they're going to post. Yeah. Does that help? 100% does, dude. Um, I was actually like mentally going through a list of people that have said they wanted to collaborate that nothing actually happened. So I was like, how could we actually make these into things that happen? So I'm like, I was mentally like going through my Rolodex of names. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, so that's about it. Um, by the way, uh, how are you feeling with this whole pandemic thing? Um, I'm grateful for it in, in a way. Why I, so? Because I feel like it, like, like we kind of talked about when we started this conversation, it like, it showed me a new way of living and a new way of um, reorganizing my priorities. Um, so that's one thing that I'm kind of grateful for happening. But I'm also like, so sick of it. <laughs> 
like I'm ready to like actually have um, meetings with people and go out without having to like worry about being sick and dying. But I mean, just like being able to link up and collaborate so much easier in person. So like, that's one thing that I miss. Yeah. I, 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 I having like props for a shoot and locations for a shoot. It's like, it's so hard when we're not out. Yeah. I am. I kind of miss people too, but hey, I want to let you know that I, that I was going to tell you not to come. I'm so glad that you texted me, but I, I, I saved this for last because I didn't want it to like cover the whole conversation, but I just tested positive for coronavirus on Monday. Dude. Yeah. I did a one day test. I, I walked in my house where I live and my housemate, he did not have a sense of taste and he was like, Oh shit. So he tested himself and he was positive that his, then his housemate, who's his sister who works in the same office as him tested positive. So obviously I was like, fuck. Then my landlord, he tested negative, which is good. And my other housemate tested negative, but then I tested positive. And what sucks is that on Saturday I hung out with my family because no. I've been, I've, I've been testing myself. And so I've been negative. But, but, but here's the thing, which is really good, is that my cousin who was there, she tested negative. Alan tested negative. Every single person that I've hung out in July, besides my housemates, tested negative. And so what usually happens in the first three days of the coronavirus that you have it, so I probably got it last week maybe, is that that's when you're contagious. So I think by the time I hit my family's house, it didn't spread. Because look, the first, I mean, it's been what, close to five days since I last saw my family no symptoms with anyone, but they're all being quarantined for 14 days. And it just so happens to be that my family <laughs> they're visiting. And so we're all fucking high tension people. Like we all, and so like, uh, I think the mental disparity or the mental toll is, is going to be a lot for them more so than the physical, but I just gave them two weeks full of groceries and we're checking up on their symptoms every day. Oh my God, dude. Well, I hope you're um, feeling better, dude. Oh, for sure, bro. Like, I feel great. Um, I'm positive. Everything's going to be okay. I'm healthy. Um, I think I got it in February. Positive, you tested positive. What? You're positive or you tested positive? Oh, I tested positive. <laughs> what, what part he's positive again? Uh, I'm tested positive with Corona, but I'm also positive that everything is going to be okay. You know? Dude, what a nightmare. I'm so sorry to hear that, dude. No, it's, I mean, what can we do? Uh, can't cry over spilled milk and now we just wait on the results of my family but i know for sure they're going to be negative uh with the results and um yeah yeah everything's fine i'm happy i'm glad that zoom exists then yes i'm glad that zoom exists i've been doing just zoom podcasting anyway since the beginning but i'm so glad that you have GarageBand. but fuck it so the plan is very simple thanks for listening to me but basically after i test negative on the 24 third or the 24th of this month then i'm gonna get an antibody test the next following week which means that i'm clear and then after that then i can start donating plasma so it's like a whole routine so if you're ever positive then once you're negative then you do an antibody test and then um you do plasma so i won't be seeing anybody physically until i get my antibody test so the first week of August is when I'll be finally able to see someone in real life. Oh if everything God. goes as planned, if everything goes as planned. Are you staying with anyone right now? Dude, my housemates, but I live in a garage, so um, I'm good. It's going to be kind of weird not leaving the house. You know, I can't even 
usually I ride a bike every day, but I've been doing push-ups and good thing we have a patio. So I go out there, but there's no fucking way I'm going to ride my bike around or, you know, because I, I don't want to spread it to anybody. So of course, man. Well, geez, yeah. uh, you know, you got zoom. So you actually have a little bit of uh, interaction and you got postmates. So yeah. um, you should, you'll be surviving. Yeah. Thank you, by the way, for this. I, this helped a lot. Um, hopefully my advice or whatever helped too. hundred percent, uh, man. You, this conversation added a lot of value to like my repertoire. So I, you got, you got a very cool skill set that I'm glad you shared your knowledge with me. Thanks, man. Um, where can people find you, Brandon? You can find me on Instagram and TikTok is where I usually live. I'm going to start posting more content on YouTube. Um, so far, I just got a, a little thing up there, but there will be stuff up there that's a little more exciting. I, I promise that. But most of my, uh, my main pillar content should be on Instagram, which is Brandon Suhu, just like how you spell my name, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-S-O-H-O-O. And uh, my TikTok is B-Suhu. B-Suhu. I love that. Yes, sir. Yeah, sir. Uh, isn't it? I think that's a TikTok thing. Yeah, sir. I think it is. It's, I mean, I don't know. It's what the youth is doing these days. Some girl has been saying it to me so often in her little DMs. Like, yeah, sir. And I'm like, ah, it's so weird. So young. But anyway, <laughs> um, thank you so much. Wave at the audience. <laughs>